Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened here in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things? and then enter his glory. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further but they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight.
They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognised by them when he broke the bread. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Thank you very much, Marge. You got the long readings this month, didn't you? Bless you. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. <laughs> um, should we pray? Let's pray together. Lord, as you walked alongside the disciples on the road to Emmaus and opened their eyes and opened their hearts to see and understand you, we pray that you would do the same with us this morning. Amen. Well, um, as I said earlier, uh, Easter doesn't finish on Easter Monday uh, in the church. We continue to celebrate, we continue to reflect on Easter. Because Easter is not just a one-time thing. It is something that has lasting and eternal significance. And it's not something you can get your head around in just one day either. Now, the resurrection appearance uh, that Jesus makes on the road to Emmaus, I think, is an illustration of how we come to faith. If Easter Sunday is about the fact of the resurrection, the fact that it happened, then this reading this week is about coming to faith in the resurrection. In the passage, we have two disciples who start their journey on the road to Emmaus, confused, downhearted, and they finish their journey sitting at a table about to eat with the resurrected Jesus. And what happens on the road helps us to understand how we too can come to believe in the resurrected Jesus. The first thing that happens on the road is that Jesus comes alongside the disciples, but they don't recognize him. It is Jesus who makes the first move. He comes alongside the disciples. The disciples are not looking for Jesus. They think he's dead. But he is looking for them. And it's the same for us. God always makes the first move. And this is the opposite of actually some of the popular ideas we might have about uh, seeking God or finding God. It is God who seeks us and God who finds us first. The life of Jesus shows us God's way of doing things. Jesus seeks out and saves the lost. He doesn't just wait for us to find him. In our lives, in different ways, Jesus comes alongside us, but we don't always recognize 
that it's him. And when we find ourselves spiritually seeking, when we find ourselves wondering, it's because Jesus has already come alongside us, but we haven't perhaps recognized him yet. The second thing that happens on the road, uh, the second thing that Jesus does, in fact, is that he resets the minds of the disciples using the Bible. On the road, he tells the, the, the disciples tell the unrecognizable Jesus about what they've heard. They, they hear, he was a prophet, powerful in the word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. The disciples have heard about Jesus' resurrection, but they don't understand how it's possible. It doesn't fit with their view of the world, so they decide not to believe it. Well, Jesus responds by explaining the Bible to them about how the resurrection really does make sense. God, who is the creator of the world, is the God of life. He is the God of life, and he will show his power over death, is what Jesus shows them. And through this, the disciples have their minds to reset. Jesus changes their view of what's possible and what's real. The biblical word for this is metanoia. It means to have our minds reset, to have our minds turned around, to have our minds completely transformed. And this needs to happen to us also. We all have our preset views uh, about how the world is, about who we are as individuals, about who God is, what he's like even if he exists at all. But that worldview is shaped by all kinds of things, all kinds of things, some of which are not from God, and it will be distorted by our own experiences and prejudices and desires. Like the disciples, we need to have our minds reset to understand what is possible and what is real. And this is what the Bible does for us. The Bible shapes our imaginations. It forms our worldview. It opens up our minds to recognize God alongside us. And so one of the most important tasks for us, when we feel that God has come close to us, and even when we don't feel like he has at all, is to read or listen to the Bible and let it shape our minds. And by that, when I say let the Bible shape our minds, that, that doesn't mean every time we read the Bible we have to get a message from it. We don't always have to come away with, ah, yes, that's the point, that's the message of this Bible passage. We just have to come away from it, allowing the Bible to shape our thoughts, to get us wondering, going, huh, I wonder how that's possible. The third thing that happens on the journey 
is that the disciples sit and eat with Jesus. And it's only at this point that they realise that it is Jesus who has been with them all this time. Jesus, who a few days earlier had been crucified and whose lifeless body had been placed in a tomb, was alive and was with them. And the final step, the final movement of coming to faith is sitting and eating with Jesus. Now this has obvious symbolic uh, connections for us Christians, doesn't it? With Holy Communion. And this is right, of course, but I think it means more than that. The act of Holy Communion, and the same with the act of eating with Jesus, is a symbol of a real relationship with Jesus. You sit and eat at the same table as your family, your friends, or people you want a relationship with. Whether that's a business relationship, a romantic relationship, just a a friendship. Those are the people you sit and eat with. It's also about becoming part of a community, isn't it? Meals are central to how communities work together. And meals in Jesus' day were always shared. And the final step is also about becoming part of the community of Jesus. Becoming part of the community of faith. Not something you just do on your own in private, but actually becoming part of something bigger. Part of something like a family. Something to belong to. That is what happens when we sit and eat with Jesus. The final movement of conversion, to use that word, is to come to know Jesus as a friend, as a brother, to eat at the same table from him, to be united to him, to love him, be loved by him, to be part of his family, part of his community. There's one last thing to notice in this story, okay? Before the meal, Jesus is about to walk on. He's about to carry on down the road. And the disciples have to invite him in and to, to come and eat with them. They say, no, 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 don't, 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 don't go, don't go. Come and sit and eat with us. And this tells us something about God too, I think. God makes the first move. He comes alongside us. But we are given the dignity. We're given the freedom to be able to respond to. Jesus is not like the tiger that came to tea, who just like boots down the door and eats all the, all the cakes <laughs> and, and eats you out of house and home. Jesus gives us the dignity and the space and the freedom to respond to his love. And the question that confronts all of us when God comes close is are we going to invite him in? Or are we going to let him walk on by? Coming to faith is not something that we do once. It's something that is always happening. Whether you are just becoming to an awareness of God for the first time or whether you've been a Christian for decades... God is always coming close to us in ways that we don't recognise. And maybe you're someone who is just wondering, ah, there is something, someone alongside me in my life. 
I don't really recognize him. I don't really understand. But I sense that Jesus might be close. Or maybe you're in that place where your mind needs reshaping. Your, your mind needs to be transformed, renewed. Where you're like, yes, I know, recognize Jesus is here. But I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I can't get my head around it. And maybe you need to spend some time with the Bible or you need to spend some time talking to me or joining one of our groups to help to, to make that fit a little bit closer. Or maybe you're at that point where, yes, I'm ready to sit and eat with Jesus. I'm ready to be part of his people. And at different times, we may go backwards and forwards on that road of coming to faith. But God is always doing stuff. He's always coming close to us. He's always resetting our minds. Um, God is always deepening our union with him. And we are always given the opportunity to welcome him into our lives. So let's take a moment. <laughs> let's take a moment. See, you talk about Jesus coming alongside you unexpectedly, and there I have the visual aids that I needed. <laughs> Let's just take a moment, quietly, just to reflect where you are, where you feel Jesus is right now, where he might be speaking to you. Is he just knocking on the door saying, listen, I'm here, I'm next to you? Or maybe he's saying, come, come deeper. Let's explore what this is. Let's have your mind reshaped. Maybe he's saying, come and eat with me. Come and know that deep, deep friendship. That deep union with me. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah.